really all about looking back over the year that we've had. Because here we are in November. I don't even know how that happened. Um, and we've covered a lot in the last 10 months. And um, I think sometimes it's really nice to, before heading into a new year, to just sort of take a minute to consolidate what you've learned. Um, look back, reflect on, uh, you know, the bits that were really useful and maybe get reminded of bits and pieces that um, are useful but just sort of didn't get picked up through the year. Um, because we can only really absorb so much at any one uh, given time. So the plan for tonight is to take uh, to look back and look at um, confidence, uh, mindset, and competition nerves. And we'll be um, doing another review session then in December, picking up another three kind of key topics from the year. Um, that in mind, for everyone who's catching up, if there's anything in particular that you want reviewed um, in December, uh, be sure to let Nat know and we can build that into the plan. I'm just going to get these up so that you can see them and we'll be kicking off. Okay, yeah, so as I said, it's all about kind of looking back. Uh, there won't be any new material tonight, but hopefully it'll still feel uh, fresh um, just because a lot of this we haven't talked about it since basically January, February, which is essentially a lifetime ago. <laughs> so it's just a good chance to go back and, and take another look at it and think, right, what have I what have I done with this and what else is there to get from these ideas and information? Especially kind of heading into any year. Do you have any um any goals kind of crystallizing or forming, Karen, when you think about the new year and in your writing? Um one of them was potentially um to affiliate, but I don't know. If that's um, really a, um, an achievable one or, or a realistic one, because just of where I am, um, and the majority of venues are a distance away. Um, but I've, I've started working um, on sort of some more complex movements, so maybe later on, maybe sort of the middle of next year, maybe look at the next again level. Don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll, try, we'll try and um, master novice first. But they are getting better, so maybe we could start dabbling in, you know, next level up, doing elementary. So, um, yeah, that would be the goal. Okay, okay very cool. And um, it'd be useful to just keep those in mind as we go through tonight. And for everybody who's catching up, maybe take a second to just give that some thought. You know, what are my goals for next year? And maybe maybe thinking, you know, calm down, Annika, it's only November. We don't need to do any goal setting for 2022 yet. Um, but what we actually know from psychology and neuroscience is that if we only start thinking about our goals for the new year in the new year, we have not given ourselves enough time to really prepare and think about, well, what goes into actually accomplishing those goals, um, thinking about them in a really well-rounded way, um, and also just we haven't given ourselves the time to maybe reflect enough in order to really get clear on what do you, what do I actually really want to do? So the best time to start thinking about big goals for the new year is actually right now, um, so that you're giving yourself a number of weeks to reflect um, and also start thinking about what it was going to take to action those goals. So 
something to think about in the back of your mind while we're going through our conversation around confidence mindset and narrowing. So when we talk about uh, mindset and confidence, really one of the underpinning ideas here is the idea of a belief and how a belief affects us. It says here the majority of human struggle is rooted in irrational beliefs. So remember from beginning, uh, the beginning of this year, we looked at um, how a belief is formed and the role that they play in how confident we feel about ourselves um, and even the role that they play in the types of thoughts that we have throughout the day and the types of actions that we take consistently. So it's often useful to think about the human mind sort of like an iceberg. So with a little bit at the top, which is our conscious thought and conscious actions that we're aware of, and then a whole lot of stuff underneath, underneath the surface, um, which we're not aware of, or we're only partially aware of, um, but have a huge influence on who we are and how we behave. So beliefs tend to be below the surface in the underwater part of the iceberg until we become more consciously aware of them. Um, and it, it's really uh, a great performance skill to become more aware of your own beliefs. Because once we're aware of them, we can start to analyze them and say, right, is this belief helping me perform better? Is this belief helping me get to where I want to go? Or is it potentially getting in my way? Um, so the majority of human struggle is rooted in irrational beliefs. So what this tells us is that uh, beliefs that aren't true cause us a lot of hardship. So when we believe something that isn't actually true, we can tie ourselves up in knots um, of stress and worry and, and struggle um, for no reason. So I'm going to share again the five beliefs that we looked at the beginning of the year just to kind of take a, a fresh look at this. So number one, I must do well to get the approval of everyone who matters to me. Um, or I'll be a worthless person or rider. This is where we really, and again, often without realizing it, we connect our value as a person. So our belief that we are good, a good enough person or our value as a rider, so our belief that we're a good enough rider, to how well we're doing and how much um, other people approve of what we're doing. Next one here is, um, I must always have an easy, enjoyable experience as a rider, or I can't enjoy riding at all. So this is the idea that we can't, uh, we can't enjoy ourselves if our horse is being difficult. We can't enjoy ourselves if we're not doing well at the show. We can't enjoy ourselves if um, you know, our training has hit a bit of a road bump and it's taking much longer to teach a movement, say, that than we expected. So it's this idea that our enjoyment is only possible when everything's going really, really well. And this can cause us a lot of trouble because, as we know as riders, um, that easy, enjoyable experience where everything's going exactly as we expected is somewhat rare. You know, we don't, we do get that sometimes, but we don't get it uh, all the time, that's for sure. I must be high achiever or I will be worthless. So again, here, this is about saying, well, it's not good enough to just want to ride at this level. It's not good enough to just want to do this. I need to, I need to be pushing for big goals. I need to be, um, you know, setting my sights really high. I need to be accomplishing big things or I don't have value as a person or a rider. Number four, when things are tough and I'm under pressure, I must be miserable and there's nothing I can do about this. So this is the idea or the belief that there's sort of no other option available to us 
when things are going badly or things are difficult um, other than to be upset about it. So we've talked uh, a lot about the emotional roller coaster, right, of life and how when we're on the roller coaster, we feel like we can we have to go up when things go well and we have to go down when things go poorly. Mm. And we've talked about how a really good self-awareness skill is to step off that roller coaster and say, okay, the roller coaster might still be going up or down, but I get to stand back and and, um, and think about how I want to respond to the way things are going. And lastly, number five, we have my past or my history as a rider is the most important indicator of my success and will keep on dictating how I feel and what I do about my writing. So this is when we believe that because I've, I've been anxious in the past at shows, I will always be anxious at shows. Or if I haven't had any success with uh, spooky horses in the past, then I won't ever have any success with horses in the future. So we, we sort of uh, limit our own possibility when we subscribe to this belief. And so again, just like all the others, it can feel really, really true. Um, but we are, in fact, sort of limiting what's possible for ourselves by assuming that past has that level of influence and control over our future. So five really interesting beliefs here, all of which at their core are irrational, or in other words, they're not true. They're not objectively true. And... Um, so I encourage everyone to just think about, again, you know, are these beliefs influencing me at any time? Have they influenced me before? I know I can think of times in my life where all five of these have influenced me and, and did lead to a fair bit of struggle uh, in my experience that was possibly unnecessary. And um, so again, the first stage of of uh, building the types of beliefs that support us is to recognize when we're holding beliefs that are not helpful to us and not supportive. Um, it can be tricky because we might be in a group of people where everybody holds that belief and therefore it can feel like you're really going against the grain to, to think differently or, or to challenge that, even if you're just challenging in your own thoughts. So just something to be aware of, right? Um, as you build your awareness around beliefs, it can be useful to also think about, you know, if I identify a belief that I think isn't helpful to me, where is it showing up in the people around me and how is that influencing me? So we're just going to zero in here on, on um, three kind of especially problematic beliefs that I see time and time and time again um, in my work, especially in our sport. Um, and look again at like, how can we challenge this? So this one here, I'm not a good enough rider. Okay. So this is something that we say to ourselves a lot in different situations. And it comes from a fear of sort of not measuring up to this uh, hypothetical expectation of what of, of good enough or what it means to be a good rider. Um, and when we, when we really dig into this, it often becomes apparent very quickly that we're not even really sure what this bar is that we're, that we're trying to reach. You know, what is good enough? What is a good rider? What is a good enough rider? How do we even define that? So we talked earlier in the year about how it's really important that we start to take charge of this definition for ourselves, that 
we start to decide what is good enough and that we get really clear on how to measure that. If we are measuring good enough against things like winning ribbons um, or uh, moving up the levels at a certain pace um, or um, looking really good on a horse, then we're, we're going to get ourselves into trouble a lot because um, there's lots of things in those measurements that aren't in our control. We don't control everything around winning ribbons, of whether or not we can win a ribbon, whether or not we're able to, uh, to look good on a horse, um, etc. So we have to think about measuring good enough against things that are under our control. Um, and when we kind of dig into this deeper, we can see that, you know, it's easy just to look at um, what you might consider a less experienced rider, someone who's new to the sport, um, and say that they are doing, they are a good rider, that they are good enough, even though maybe their experience isn't, isn't high. Um, and we might see, uh, you know, we might say the same thing about someone who's very experienced in the sport. So what that shows us is that being good enough is not about how many, how many years of practice you have or how what le uh, level of skill you're at. It's more about how you show up as an individual in the sport every day. So uh, um, the measurement that I like to use to decide, you know, right, how do I, how do I, how can I assess for myself whether I'm doing a good job here um, is the following. So number one, am I showing up and giving it 100% of my effort and focus that I have available to me on that day? And I add on that little end bit because, you know, every day isn't equal. So, so some days I have more energy and uh, effort and focus to give. Um, so it's all about just giving what you have on that day with 100%, 100% of what you have. So am I showing up and am I giving 100% of my effort and focus, number one? And that's easier said than done, right? Um, it sounds simple, but it actually takes a fair bit of commitment to do that every time you get to the barn. Um, number two, am I managing my mistakes really well? So there's a lot in that. So number one, when I say that, I'm reminding myself that mistakes are inevitable, that mistakes are a part of the process. And I'm also reminding myself the focus isn't on not making mistakes. It's just on reacting as well as possible to that mistake and managing it in such a way that I learn something and I move through it. And then number three, um, am I looking for the high performance fun? And just again as a review, high performance fun is all about um, those, mo those small moments of glory, <laughs> those small moments of intense satisfaction when it all comes together, when you get that perfect distance, when you get, uh, when you cross uh, the finish line after a clear cross-country course, um, and you know you're, you know you're right on the time. Um, it's the satisfaction of even smaller things like like a beautiful downward transition where the horse really sits and just is smooth and flows downward into that transition. Um, a perfectly square halt, you know. There's so many beautiful moments of high performance fun in our sport, uh, but we often miss them because we're so caught up in uh, feeling like we're not good enough, good enough, or um, worrying about the bigger goals that we set for ourselves and, and, and how far away we are from those. So if I can remind myself to, to look for those high performance moments 
every time I get in the saddle, I notice an incredibly powerful impact on my ride and my riding. Um, it helps me to be more present in the moment. It helps me to stay calmer and more relaxed. It helps me to stay curious and, um, and empathetic with my horse instead of frustrated and impatient. So I'll just say those three things again. So number one, I know I'm do, I'm doing well, that I'm being good you know, good enough when I know that I'm doing my best to show up and give 100% of whatever focus and effort I have on that day, that I'm managing my mistakes well, and that I'm looking for the high-performance fun. So those are my measurements, and you are absolutely welcome to, to take them and use them. Um, but I also want to say that this is entirely subjective, and if there's something else that resonates with you that kind of feels meaningful in terms of a measurement of, of, how, of, of how well you're doing, then absolutely go for it and kind of create your own list. Um, but the ultimate thing here is that it needs to be things that you control, that you have 100% control over. Okay. Belief number two that I see all the time that gets into trouble is this, that failures and mistakes are bad and should be avoided at all costs. Now, we've talked a lot about this through the years, so I won't, uh, I won't go over it again, other than to say that um, it's worth reminding ourselves of this concept again and again, because our dislike of failure and mistakes is so deep-rooted that even if we know, even if we know that it's okay to make mistakes and fail, that's a necessary part of the process, we can still get almost like an instinctive incredibly negative reaction to them. So I see this as a long-term rewiring of the brain. We're rewiring ourselves to see mistakes and failures as inevitable and actually as ultimately beneficial because we're learning something. Um, but it takes time and practice to rewire ourselves this way. Um, and it doesn't mean that we ever get to the point where it's easy to make a mistake or easy to fail. Um, but what does happen is that we're able to manage them and, and sort of shape our reaction to them much more effectively. So the core thing, belief shift here is that mistakes and failures are, are inevitable and ultimately beneficial. And therefore, we can't avoid them. And we just need to manage them well. And then the last one here is that I'm defined by my past and cannot change who I am. So we just get too stuck uh, to clinging to the way that we see ourselves, to the identity that we formed in our own heads around who we are as a rider. So just pause and think for a moment. How would you describe yourself as a rider to someone else? Would you say that, what would you say your strengths are? What would you say your weaknesses are? Right, what comes to mind? Would you describe yourself as nervous at shows, confident at shows? So all of those answers that come to your mind, probably quite readily, um, give you some insight into how you see yourself and what your identity is as a rider. So we get ourselves into trouble when we cling too tightly to, to sort of a, a rigid version of that identity. So we wanna make sure that we are open to the idea that we are constantly evolving, uh, open to the idea that even if I've been anxious at shows for 10 years of my life, that I can still learn to manage that anxiety and, and in the future have an experience at a show where I'm actually, I still feel the nerves, but I'm not ruled by them. And I know lots of people um, uh, 
uh, in your group have had that experience this year of being able to start to shift out of old patterns of behavior. So it's just good to remind ourselves that this isn't true, that regardless of what's happened in the past, we are constantly able to kind of redefine, upgrade, and expand who we are by learning these new skills. And, and so this can be a much more hopeful place to be in our, in our, in our mental state. Uh, as opposed to an often sort of uh, shut down or hopeless view of feeling trapped and stuck by an identity that um, that's not serving us. So, as I said, those are those three kind of beliefs that I see coming up again and again. Um, so another quick review here is the idea that, right, if we could sort of package uh, these beliefs into two different mindsets, then we would see that we sort of have these two different sides to ourselves, uh, rider A and rider B. Rider A is the part of us that's able to be bold, brave, curious, trusting, and resourceful in the face of challenges, who sees the challenge as a positive, who, um, who is willing to be uncomfortable, right? who's okay with the fact that she's not always motivated and just tries to take action as consistently as possible, um, who determines good enough by her own standards, who focuses on the things that she can control, um, and so on and so forth. And Hi, Karen. Yeah, Karen, go ahead. Um, I'm not sure if it's just me, but I'm just seeing the main slide is the main one. I'm, I'm getting the whole presentation of the slides down one side and oh. it's stuck on the title page. Thanks for I, don't that. That. I don't know if it's just me. Let me have, if that's what you're seeing, that's probably what everyone else is seeing. Hold on a sec here. Um, that must be some little glitch with the, I'll just um, try that again. Thanks for letting me know. Okay, let's see here. Okay, um, do you see the slide as a full slide now? Yeah, that's better, thank you. Okay, <laughs> sorry about that everyone. Okay, so what I'll do is I'll just very quickly show you, um, luckily I was reading everything out, <laughs> but we'll just, I'll just put up, those are the five beliefs there um, for anyone who is watching this back uh, to take a quick look at those. And and then it was essentially just moving through these three beliefs here, as you've seen. And then uh, it's a good time for you to interrupt me, Karen, because this is a, a nice slide to look at <laughs> when we're talking about this conversation. So thank you for that. Um, okay, so basically, Rider A is the part of you that believes she can change and learn and develop herself with strategic effort. And so remembering that effort, um, for effort's sake, means we just keep trying hard, but we don't think about refining our effort. Strategic effort is where we work hard, but we, we're always kind of thinking, right, what's, what part of my, my effort or my hard work is, is really working and what isn't? And how can I keep tweaking what I'm doing to do more of what's working and less of what isn't working? Um, so keeping a sort of sense of strategy around how hard we're working is really, really important so that we don't end up putting a lot of time and effort into things that aren't actually moving us forward. Um, on the other hand, then we have our, our person B, right? 
Uh, and again, we all have a person B and she's really concerned with just staying safe, protecting herself, not feeling embarrassed, not taking on any risks. She'd much rather just stay in her comfort zone and do what feels comfortable to her. She's very good at avoiding challenges and saying no to things where it feels like there's an opportunity to fail. And um, where she's uh, and feeling quite worried and insecure as a result of that. So really, ultimately, she believes that she's stuck the way she is, right, with no opportunity to change, and that she has to kind of protect herself by trying to look as successful and talented as possible. So rider B is always trying to look like she knows what she's doing. Rider A is always just trying to figure out um, how to be a bit better or how to understand what she's doing better. So it's a subtle but a really important difference. Um, if we think about uh, rider B in a stress, let's imagine a scenario where you're at a show and your horse is really tense and um, they're kind of trotting around with, with their head really high in the air okay? um, in the warm-up ring. So rider B um, would potentially, uh, well, would like, definitely feel very stressed about that situation. She'd be very conscious of the fact that people were watching and that she she sort of didn't look good in that moment. And so she'd be very motivated to, um, to do whatever she could to try and uh, make everything look as good as possible. So she might be motivated to try and kind of force or, or stuff the horse into a contact um, is a way of, of looking as successful and as talented as possible. Now that may work short term to solve, to solve her immediate problem of, of, of um, being uncomfortable with the way she's looking, but of course, we know that long term, that's not solving any problems for her and potentially creating more problems with her horse. So in contrast to that, rider A in the same scenario um, would work to manage her own stress and embarrassment around the situation. She'd refocus on the problem and get really curious about why her horse is so tense and try a lot of different methods to, to relax the horse and connect with the horse as a way of actually getting the horse off of it might take longer, but ultimately that's the approach that's going to move her forward in terms of her training and competing in her relationship with the horse. So we always have a choice, right, to be rider A or rider B. And the way that we can make this choice consistently is, again, to become aware of when we might be um, influenced by that B version of ourselves, that rider B, who is in all of us. Um, and then as we become more aware of that version of ourselves, to start to consciously choose to do something a little differently and ask ourselves, right, how can I maybe be bolder or braver here? Maybe being brave means letting your horse trot around the ring with its head in the air for another five minutes until, you know, until you're able to work it out and, and look like the rider who, who doesn't have things together for another five, ten minutes, right? That's brave. That takes bravery. Um, how can we be curious or more trusting? So trusting that it'll come together, trusting that you have the skills to manage the problem, curious about what's really happening, what's causing the issue, and resourceful in terms of coming back and trying different approaches to solving that problem um, as a way of eventually finding a solution. Um, so it's a simple model, but a really powerful one, and one that I come back to myself all the time. Uh, as a reminder of, of how and where I can make this type of choice in order to, to improve my riding experience day to day and the show.
give you guys a chance to just reflect a little bit here um, and sort of just think back over the last 10 months of 2021. So first of all, um, I want you to think about what kind of beliefs did I bring into the year? What kind of beliefs did I have at the beginning of 2021? Um, about me, about riding, about what I was good at, what I was bad at, um, about what was possible for me and my horse, about how confident I, I was or, or, or I could be, about um, how well I could do at a competition, about how, um, how well I could manage my nerves at a competition, how motivated I was. There's a lot of different beliefs that that are, that are underlying our riding. And then secondly then, how to think about, right, have any of those shifted? Now that we're at the end of 2021, are any of those beliefs a little different now? Um, yeah, so just a little bit of food for thought there. Um, feel free to chime in, Karen, if, if you like, or it's totally up to yourself. Yeah, I've, I've got quite a few. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I've made such a huge shift in the last year. Um, I wasn't a very confident person at all. Um, even when I went for my, my lessons with the instructor, um, you know, she would say, do you want to canter? And I would go, mm, do I want to? Mm. Even on the way to the lesson, I'd go, I hope she doesn't want me to canter. I hope she doesn't ask me to canter. Mm. Whereas now I'm going, right, when are we canter? You know, I'll just go off and do it in the warm up or, or what have you. I, I've got rid of that fear. Um, you know, I, I just, it, it filled me with complete fear. Um, mm. Whereas now I've got over it, I'm enjoying it, um, I feel in control of it. Mm -hmm. That that's been a huge thing, and also my belief in myself um, that you know maybe I'm not that bad a rider after all, and you know I'm learning more things and we're doing more uh, movements and going up, you know, um, doing more difficult tests. So um, yeah, we we've achieved a huge amount this year in writing, in my mindset, um, in my belief of, of what I can achieve. Um, whereas I was always the one that was going, oh gosh, what, what if this happens? What if that happens? What would I do? Um, whereas I go, well, I'll give it a try, see what happens. And yeah, it doesn't always work, but um, yeah, I'm controlling the reaction and, um, and managing it. Um, and my confidence levels have just gone through the roof. So yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> well done. You know, that's that's all you. That's all you putting in a huge amount of work. This stuff is not easy. <laughs> it's easy to it's easy to come along to these things and listen to them, but it's much harder to actually go in and implement that through the work. So so yeah, I just want to say a huge congrats on that, Karen. And it's um it's great to just pause, I think, and, and give yourself a serious pat on the back <laughs> for that, because um, it is a huge accomplishment, so well done, and um, and thank you for sharing that, and, and I hope it, it's a media source of inspiration for anyone who's new to the program or coming in, and, and 
just to, to know that no matter where you are, um, that change is always possible. And I really resonate with your story myself, Karen, because I went through a similar process myself in terms of just um, going from having very little um, sort of belief to, to through, through, through learning these skills myself to, to really, um, yeah, to really being able to kind of own my own confidence. And and it's really what inspired me first to end up learning all this stuff so that I could sort of pass this knowledge on. Um, but yeah, so, so change is really possible. And so it's always neat to think about, right, okay, so think of everything we've accomplished in one year and then you know, think about what your what your starting point is going to be for 2022, and how cool is that? To then, you know, there's a whole other year of growth to build on the starting the new starting point. Um, so who knows what's what's awaiting in those next uh, months, right? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, okay, so I just wanted to again quickly summarize. The, the different mindsets that are useful to remember, that are the relevant to us as providers. Okay? So remember, a mindset is a collection of beliefs. So a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. A growth mindset is where we believe in our capacity to always improve and learn from where we are. Okay. A fixed mindset is where we assume that our ability is sort of predetermined, that we're either a talented writer or we're not. And if we're not, then there's no amount of work or effort is going to change that. We're always going to be restricted in what we can achieve. So nurturing a growth mindset is hugely important because these two mindsets become a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. When we have a growth mindset, we're able to keep getting out there, staying curious, asking questions, uh, figuring out problems. And that's how we push through the barriers um, that are, lie on our path towards learning and development and success. Whereas when we subscribe to a fixed mindset and we assume that we're um, that we are limited in, in what we're capable of achieving, then any time we hit a rough spot or any time we hit uh, a difficult uh, moment, we go, oh yeah, that must be the limit. That must be it, and we don't actually try to push through it as much. So um, really engaging and nurturing a growth mindset is a huge part of building on success year after year as a rider. The next one we want to be aware of is a challenge mindset versus a threat mindset. So a challenge mindset is when we say, okay, when things are difficult, it means I'm being challenged in a positive way. When I'm, when I'm struggling, when things are hard, it means I'm learning and growing and I'm being pushed outside my comfort zone, but ultimately that's what I want. That's what I signed up for. That's why I'm here in this sport, doing all this stuff, because I want to be pushed and challenged. Instead of a threat mindset where um, we believe that when we're feeling uncomfortable and things are difficult, that it's actually a sign that we can't do it um, and that we're, we're in danger of failing. So when we can embrace a challenge mindset, we're able to manage our own reaction to challenging uncomfortable situations like shows and competitions. Um, when we're in a threat mindset, we often get overwhelmed by anxiety and uh, and just sort of general overwhelm um, in those difficult, intense situations. So it's all about what does the challenge mean? Is it an opportunity to grow or is it an opportunity to fail? And again, we have a choice as to what meaning we assign to the experience of something being really difficult. So when we combine a growth mindset and a challenge mindset, we get what was commonly referred to as a competition mindset. 
which is essentially just saying that in order to compete, to manage the stress and the pressure of competition, we need to um, we need to believe in our own potential to grow um, through effort and hard work and time, and we also need to see the challenge as a positive and see the challenging, the experience of being challenged, the experience of being uncomfortable, of even struggling a little bit as a positive, as the route towards growth. And so those two things combine then to help us see the competition experience in a little bit of a different light um, as, as the perfect opportunity to test our skills and to grow and um, to move ourselves forward instead of you know, an opportunity to embarrass ourselves and publicly fail. And so then a competition mindset allows us to uh, really embrace the experience of competition um, with much less anxiety and, and a lot more curiosity and interest. So we talk a lot about confidence this year, right? Um, confidence is something that we, um, we're constantly working on, I think. So I just wanted to, to quickly remind everyone that confidence is a skill, something that we're always working at developing. And there's all sorts of things that go into um, building confidence over time, right? So the beliefs that we've talked about today, the mindset, consistently returning to rider A, who is willing to do the hard work, who trusts in um, his or her ability to, to learn and improve over time. Um, focus is a big part of it, right? Uh, controlling our own focus, what we're paying attention to, what, what types of thoughts we're focusing on, which, which um, context we're deciding to focus on. Uh, our ability to trust ourselves and to trust that we do know what we're doing, that we do have the skills available to us that we've spent hours and hours practicing. Um, our ability to manage our emotional reaction, right, as we talked about briefly earlier, um, being able to, to uh, self-manage yourself through those difficult moments. And at the foundation of it all is this idea of having a plan and following a plan. So I really wanted to highlight this today because, again, as we're coming into a new year, we're kind of in, the, in a perfect time of year to start thinking about plans and goal setting for the, for the year to come. So the first and most basic stage of goal setting is just to name the goals, okay? So it can be something like moving up a level or, um, uh, you know, riding a certain type of show, for example. Um, the next step, which is really important to instill confidence in our ability to reach those goals and, and to feel confident through the process of working towards them, is to make a plan around how, you, how that's actually going to happen. So if our goal is to move up a level at a certain point in the year, we want to start working backwards from that, that time point then and say, right, what are all the things that need to be in place for me to, to get to where I need to be um, when I want to be there? It's also then really useful to, to make micro plans for like sort of the, the challenging things that we're going to encounter along the way. So for shows, for example, to think about, right, what's my show plan? And that's not just what time do I show up and what pay and fee do I need to bring for my horse and what tack do I need to bring. Of course, that's all important. But I'm talking about a plan for yourself, a plan for your mind. So the plan is, what am I uh, thinking about when I get to the show? What am I focusing on as I'm tacking up my horse? What do I need to remember in the warm-up? What do I need to remember as I'm um, completing my test or my course? 
uh, what do I need to be thinking about in terms of my own beliefs and my own self-talk, managing my own inner critic, um, leaning in and trusting myself. So we definitely don't make enough plans. And the value of a plan is that once we have it, uh, it really supports us to feel sure that we're doing everything we need to do to reach our goal or to be successful in the areas that we want to be. I encourage everyone to take some time out before the new year and make some plans. And the plans can change, but having a a starting point is really, really valuable. Um, Okay, so we're going to finish up by just looking at the kind of those key things that we want to remember specifically for competitions. Okay. Um, And we say priming for a confident competition here because this is all stuff that we don't just want to be doing at the show, but we want to be practicing ahead of time so that there's skills that are available to us uh, when we actually get to the competition and feel that extra pressure. So number one is can we ride offensively instead of defensively? And can we prepare offensively instead of defensively? So when we are riding offensively, we're riding for what we want. We are clear on what we actually want to have happen, and that's our focus. That's where our energy is going. When we're riding defensively, we're riding for what we don't want. We're riding to not fall off. We're riding to not have a stop. We're riding to not spook in the corner. This is, again, one of those really simple but incredibly powerful concepts Um that can have a huge impact on, on, on our success at a competition. And in fact, even just in our, in our success in our day-to-day ride. Because the thing is that our, our brain, because of the negativity bias, is always kind of trying to default to thinking about defensive riding, what it is that we don't want to have happen. Especially if we've had a fall or a spook or, um, or a bolt or something uh, in our recent past. So the trick is to always be thinking, what do I want? What do I want to accomplish here? What do I want to have happen? And what do I need to do uh, to make that happen? And we can bring that type of thinking into our planning for the show as well. What do I want to have happen here? Not what do I not want to have happen? What do I actually want to have happen? And what does that look like? How do I bring that to life? So riding for what you want over and over again, keeping it simple as well. Right? So it's not overly complex. What is it that we want? We want to clear the jump, land, get straight, uh, and can carry on to the next jump. Right? So really kind of breaking riding down into, into this, the simplest form of just really what do I need to do here um, to be successful. If we can work from the plan, um, then it has the interesting effect so it's it's like in those moments when we're under a lot of pressure um, and our brain is sort of scrambling or panicking a little bit and we have the sense of, you know, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to think about? It feels like uh, I've forgotten everything or I'm not able to kind of think of what I want to do. In those moments, having a plan that you know inside out, having a plan for exactly what you want to think about in the warm-up ring or exactly what you want to think about in the ring is a godsend because it gives you something clear to latch on to and focus on um, in those moments where your brain wants to just go in a million directions. And I can say this definitely from experience. It's 
so incredibly helpful. Um, so again, it's just all about making, spending some time to really think in more detail, what is it that I really want to be doing and thinking about um, in, in the different key moments of my competition. So offensive riding, riding for what you want, and then working from that plan. So it's, again, it's, it's simple, but not easy. Um, what's required here is, is, is to invest a little bit of time up front into thinking about how you want things to go, to really drill down and get clearer for yourself as to like, what are my objectives? What is it that I do want to have happen here? What do I want this to look like? And then practice flipping your thinking from defensive into offensive all the time. Anytime you catch yourself in defensive thinking while you're riding, flipping it into the offensive. Um, practicing working from a plan and really getting to the details of what does this look like so that uh, in those moments when your brain's going a thousand ways, you can go, oh, okay, I know what I need to focus on here. I'm in the warm-up brain, so that means I just need to focus on um, getting in five jumps um, and doing you know, maybe a few transitions or whatever that plan is and focusing myself on my breathing and uh, just focusing in on what I can control. So, um, heading into or finishing up a competition season, depending on what you're doing, um, it's never too late to start adding this stuff in. Okay, so um, that is the sort of the full uh, bit of information for tonight, but I want to give everyone a moment to think about, okay, so um, we've reviewed a lot of information there, we've covered some stuff, so just take a second to reflect on what bits of that felt super familiar, where you're going, yeah, yeah, check, perfect, yeah, got that, um, and what bits were you thinking, oh, yeah, right, actually, you know, I could do a little bit of that, more of that, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that, um, you know, or maybe I, I remembered it, but I haven't really actioned that or I haven't really implemented that in a real way yet in my writing or my planning. So take a moment now to note that for yourself. And then I want to encourage everyone to really take ownership of this and think, okay, if there's things left on the table here for me to implement, what am I going to do about that? How will I um, remember or um, support myself to take action around these things. What does that look like? Where are the opportunities for me to start to, to put some of this uh, into practice? Or maybe um, to kind of step it up to the next level if you feel like you've kind of gotten the basics of it um, uh, dialed. Just give everyone a moment to think about that. Anything coming to mind for you, Karen, around anything that you want to take away and work a little bit more on? Um, I'm not very good at the planning part. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't get overly um, hung up on making a plan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm quite spontaneous in that respect it comes or it doesn't um you know, if, if something goes well I take I take it and, and that's good and it kind of grows um I think I don't like to make too many plans in case because sometimes things happen and you just can't achieve them um mm -hmm. or in the time frame that you want um, 
I mean, there there are goals I've got, um, but I don't tend to put any time limits on them because, um, yeah, they might just not happen. Um, I will keep aiming for them, but I, 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 I don't like to say, right, I must do such and such by this time um, because then if it doesn't happen, then you're sort of more likely to go, oh, well, I didn't do that. I'm not going to do it. So you you, you kind of give up where um, I would rather have it in my head. I am quite a determined person, so nine times out of ten I will achieve it. But, um, you know, I just don't like tying myself down to a particular timeline. <laughs> yeah, and thanks for sharing that because it's actually really worth noting that um, many of us have very different preferences in the way that we, we make plans or set goals. Um, and it's actually not a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. Um, so, yeah, like you said, Karen, you know, if, if putting a hard date on something doesn't feel right to you, then there's really no need to do that, right? You can kind of structure the goal in whatever way makes sense to you. Um, and uh, sometimes people prefer to think about less about goals and more about sort of like intentions for the year, right? Sometimes the word goals kind of rubs people the wrong way. So um, wherever you're at with goal setting or intention setting, um, the thing to remember is that uh, when we look ahead and we think about what am I working towards, and then we get really clear on what that could look like, what we'd love for that to look like. Um, and then we think about, right, what, what needs to happen today or tomorrow or next week to move me towards that picture of, of what I'm working towards. And um, that process helps us move forward with more clarity and supports us to, to actually um, get closer to or get to that, that picture of, of what we think would be really cool to achieve. And um, so even in its most basic form, you know, just that, just thinking ahead and thinking about what that would look like and what needs to happen to, to move towards that is still about a really valuable process. Um, and sometimes as we uh, as we go, then we get into more details or, or sometimes we don't. And again, it's kind of a personal preference thing. Yeah, it's a really good point. Okay, so... Um, Hopefully everyone has a few, one or two bits and pieces that they're thinking, right, I want to give, give that a go, I want to maybe implement that a little bit more, um, I want to uh, revisit that or give that a go in my next, in my next ride. Um, remember to, if there's anything particular you want reviewed or, or uh, kind of covered in our, in our final session of 2021 next month, uh, do let Natalie know and we'll, we'll make sure to work that in. Um, I am back now, just to see this. Any kind of reflections you want to throw in there, Nat, in terms of um, like anything in particular that you're working on at the moment with the, with your own mental skills? Um, so I literally just joined the last few minutes, so I didn't quite get the full thing, um, but I was trying to listen downstairs <laughs> while it was on. Um, what What do you mean in what sort of context? So we were just saying um, 
you know, or even uh, looking back over, you know, the whole year. So I think reflecting on sort of where you came into at the beginning of 2021 in terms of where you're at with your beliefs and your confidence and, and any kind of mental skills and then thinking, okay, you know, um, thinking about how far you've come now and where you're at now, um, what are the things that you want to kind of think about again or, or kind of brush up on um, heading into the new year, if there's anything. Maybe there isn't, but I just thought I'd give you the chance to, to share if you wanted to. Uh, no, there's always, always room for things to be brushed upon, isn't there? So I'm going to listen back to it because you've done a bit of a recap, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've looked so at um, beliefs and confidence and competitioners. Yeah. Um, so we're just encouraging everybody to, to think about um, anything that maybe is left on the table in those areas, right? And what they've implemented this year. And if there's any room to, to just sort of revisit some ideas or revisit the way that they're doing things. Um, to just bring it along a little bit further yeah yeah so I think a big one I'm going to go back and look into again um or still I still feel needs more work it's probably with my beliefs um mm. but I feel like I've made a massive step in I'm not sure what you'd kind of put a name on it but kind of when the thoughts pop into your head I'm a lot quicker and better at being able to go no that's not actually a real thought like that's not real push that to a side, that is my chimp brain trying to take over, push it to a side, doesn't actually mean anything, don't don't think, don't think, overthink about it, don't act on it, push it to a side, doesn't really make sense, and just think logically, I've got really good at doing that, which is all from these sessions, um, so that's one thing I've got really good at, and I think it's just the beliefs, um, which I think will probably always be there, it's just trying to quiet them down a bit more, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're kind of doing that work, in the day-to-day as you challenge and push aside those unhelpful thoughts you're kind of um you're you're decrediting decrediting I'm <laughs> losing, my, losing my language here you're basically taking you know taking those underlying beliefs that are fueling those unhelpful thoughts and you're saying again over and over to them no you're not true that's not right yeah yeah, yeah. and it just takes time um, to stack so it you are Sorry, I was just saying it just takes time to stack it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It just takes time. Uh, practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll get cool. that. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Sorry to throw you on the spot here. You just showed up. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Good. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's always nice to review. Like, we really have covered a lot of material this year. So... Um, and we never get everything the first time we listen to it. So um, I was saying, I said in the recording that to, for any of the, anyone to let you know if there's anything in particular that they'd love covered in our final review session next month, um, to just let you know so we can plan for that. Yeah, perfect. So I'm going to post this up and just get everyone to comment their biggest takeaway from it and hopefully we'll get some feedback for the next one. Good stuff. Well, Karen, pleasure as always. And uh, we will see you both in a few weeks. Perfect. Thank you so much, Annika, for taking the reins as well. (laughs) Not at all. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.